This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. Amen. Go with me to the book of Philippians, chapter 3. The book of Philippians, chapter 3. <clears throat> and today we will continue on the topic that our pastor is already starting on, for preparation to be used by God. And so I'm just going to take just a small subject matter out of that preparation being used by God. Subtitle, Partakers of His Sufferings. Partakers of His Sufferings. Alright, so Philippians chapter 3, starting at verse number 7. <clears throat> it says, But what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ? Yea, doubtless I count all things but loss, for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ, and be found in him. Not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know him in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable unto his death. If by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect. But I follow after, if that I may apprehend, that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count my, not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press towards the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And so, in this teaching on this Sunday morning, we're going to get into being partakers of his sufferings. Again, really the optimal verse here is going to pull out of is verse uh, number 10 when he says that I may know him. And how do I know him? I have to know the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable unto his death. And so we're going to get into sufferings. And being, what does that mean to be uh, a fellowship of his sufferings or being partakers of his sufferings. Now, as for opening statement, as we have already been learning how to be prepared to be used by God in this time, we have to understand we are being continually being conformed to the image of his son. And the image of his son is Jesus the Christ. That is the work. We are being conformed to his image. And being conformed to the image of the son means that we've got to be partakers of his sufferings. We have to understand what his sufferings is. And that's so important for us as we're being prepared to be used by him. Now, why is suffering necessary? If you're not suffering, you're not growing. And you'll see this in a minute. If you're not suffering, there is not growth. If you're not suffering, you're not obeying. There is obedience when you suffer. Because you're suffering for purpose sake. You'll see it 
If you're not suffering, your heart is not changed. If you don't suffer, that means there's certain things in your heart that you are not willing to change. So suffering is necessary. If you want to grow, if you want to obey, if you want your heart changed so that God can use you. And this is our preparation time for God to use us. So what is suffering? Go back in Philippians 3. Let's start with verse number 7 again. What, what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. And notice, this is Paul speaking here. And again, Paul has achieved a lot of things in this world, in this time, in his life. And he's talking about those things that he achieved. right? And he says, now, the things that were gained to me, I count loss for Christ. Now, here's the thing about suffering. If you hadn't gained nothing to you, there's nothing to suffer. But the things that have been gained to you, Paul said, I have counted a loss. Right? So, Because here's the thing. A lot of people like to suffer, like to count things that wouldn't been gained to them as loss. But you never gained it. In other words, you can't lose something you never had. Right? It's easy to talk about things that, oh, I, I suffer this or I suffer that. But have you gained it? Have you achieved it? Have, have you brought it on to you? If you're not, you're not suffering any loss. But Paul says, but what things were gained to me, those I count a loss for Christ. So suffering deals with things that you count as loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. Again, suffering deals with things that you count as loss that were gained to you, but now you count as loss. For the sole purpose of the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord. And what we mean by count as loss. Count as loss is what things you consider as valuable, as important. What you are pursuing that provides your own self-worth. See, there's things to you that, that you have gained that identifies who you are. You know, it's always interesting, right? You ask somebody, well, okay, what do you do for a living? Whatever you, you deem as important to you, you start telling them. It, it, it doesn't take long. Right? You know, your conversation will bring up, well, I do this. I got this title. I achieved this in my school. Right? I accomplished these degrees. It all comes up. Because that identifies who you are and your self-worth. And we all have those, those moments. They have those times when we, we think that these things identify who I am. We, they are valuable to us. They are important to us. But for the excellency and the knowledge of Christ Jesus, I have suffered loss of all things. And, and, you, and you notice what, what verse 8, what Paul says. He said, Yea, doubtless, I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. He said, I count all things. All things I have gained, I counted as loss. All things. Because you know how we are. We, we pick and choose. We count as loss. We pick and choose things that are not that valuable anyway. So I can count that as loss. I can suffer that because it's not that valuable to me. But things that I pursue, the things that I'm after, can you count that as loss? Can you suffer those things? He says, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, I do count them but dumb that I may win Christ. Now, when this word here, when he says, I count them but dung, I want to make sure you understand what dung is. Right? So I'm going to gross you out for a minute. Alright? Dung is feces. You know what feces is? It's waste. 
discharged from your body. You know those bowel movements you have? What comes out of those bowel movements? That's dung. Dung is worthless. It's waste. It's, your body can't be able to use it. That's why it produces it out. And Paul says, those things that I have gained before, I count that as the dung. As feces. As waste. Because when you compare it to the excellency of the knowledge of Christ, it is worthless. And see, that's suffering. That's the place that you have to get to in your life. In your walk with God. In being, being prepared to be used by God. All the things that I consider valuable to me, I can consider as dumb. Feces. Useless. When it comes compared to the knowledge of Christ. You know, why is that important? What you're trying to say, I shouldn't uh, try to achieve these things. I shouldn't go for certain goals. Yeah, you can go for certain goals. You, you need to be goal-oriented. Right? Nobody's going to take care of you. you know, the Bible also says, if you don't work, you don't eat. You should have goals. There should be things you're achieving, but at what cost? See, he said, I count these things at loss. I'm not going to sacrifice the things of the kingdom of God at the cost of achieving what I want in life. I'm not going to put God on the back burner so I can achieve what I want. My desires. See, that's the, that's the suffering of loss. And that's what Paul is telling. In order to be prepared to be used by God, we have to suffer loss. That means these things cannot be the most important thing in my life. Because I'm going to tell you this, God wants all of you. You know, we talks about the Bible talks about God as a jealous God. God's not sharing you with anybody. Get that. Understand that. What I mean by God's not sharing you with anybody. He is priority. For, for us that are married, God is still priority. You have a wife. You know what the Bible calls a wife? A distraction. It is. You know, why is it a distraction? Because you've got to care for your wife. You, you went into that covenant with her. That's a distraction when it comes to the things of God. Right? So we have to really understand these things and, and understand when it comes to suffering. When I compare it to the things of God, I have to suffer loss. I have to count all these things as loss. Nothing takes priority over God and His purpose and His will and the knowledge of Christ Jesus who is my Lord. So, again, what is suffering? Again, it deals with the accounting of loss. Suffering is painful. It's an experience of unpleasantness. Get this. Suffering... It's painful. It's an experience of unpleasantness. If you're not feeling pain, you're not suffering. Yeah, that's why I said the statement before about suffering is <clears throat> you have to get to a place where you obey and it's growth and, and, and being obedience. If, if you're not in that place, you're not suffering. It's painful. And suffering is a mental, emotional, and physical pain. I suffer these things. Right? I, I'm on purpose. Again, if it's not painful, you haven't suffered yet. There's pain associated with suffering. And when you suffer a loss of something that you value, it hurts. If something that you value, you suffer loss to, it hurts. Right? You know, and again, we can think about things and think about things in our life that we have suffered loss to, there's hurt associated with it. You know, you think about a loved one that you have lost, that went on to be with the Lord. There's hurt. 
Right? You know, we and again, that's an easy way to identify with it, with suffering. This hurt. Pain. But you know, once you have suffered loss, you are never the same. See, that's one way you can you can tell whether you say, well, you know, I feel like I've suffered enough. No, but you're still the same. You know, like I say, no, you ain't suffered enough. Hit them again. Beat them again. Right? Go through it again. You know, because some of us still make the same mistakes over and over and over again. Why? Because you hadn't suffered enough yet. Because once you suffer true loss, you're never the same. Once you suffer loss, you never go back. You know, one thing I think about with, with King David and, and, the, and the issue he had with Bathsheba. Right? You know, issue meaning the sin he had with Bathsheba. It's going to call it what it is. Right? The thing that got me with King David, though, was the loss that he suffered with his child. And the Bible said he repented. But God said, you made great occasion for the enemy. But he lost a child. And from that point on, David was never the same. Because <laughs> people get caught up and say, well, David was never the same because of the issue, because of the sin of Bathsheba. No, the reason why David was never the same was he lost a child from that sin with Bathsheba. That changed them. See, there's gravity, the things in our life that we're pursuing after that we need to suffer loss to that will change us. It'll get to a place we know something that is not the most important thing anymore. We have to suffer loss. And we have to partake of his suffering. You know, that's the only way when the Bible says in verse 10 in the same passage, it says that I may know him. In order for you to know him, you have to suffer loss. There's suffering that goes in knowing Christ. Again, I know this is not the message people want to hear, right? Everybody want to hear all the good news. All the blessings of the Lord, you know, all these things. But, you know, there's suffering that you have to do. And you've got to be partakers of that. And I know this is why most Christians, believers, don't want to go through it. They don't want to go through sufferings. But understand this, Jesus suffered. He went through agony and pain. And again, as we are being prepared to be used by God... There will be suffering that we will experience. Part of our preparation to be used by God is for you to suffer. I mean, that don't even sound right, right? You, I mean, no one says amen on that. How is God going to use me by me suffering? Because you've got to get away from you. Paul said, I count all these things yet as dung, as feces. Look at this in 1 Peter chapter 4. Because I mentioned that Christ suffered. Look at this in 1 Peter chapter 4. The suffering according to Christ. 1 Peter 4. Starting in verse 1. 1 Peter chapter 4 verse 1. It says, For as much then as Christ hath suffered for us, in the flesh, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind. For he that hath suffered in the flesh hath ceased from sin. I will read that to you again. For as much then as Christ hath suffered for who? Us. In the flesh, arm yourselves likewise with what? The same mind. 
You're going to have to suffer. Arm yourself with that. Gird yourself up. For he that suffered in the flesh have ceased from sin. That he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh to the lust of men, but to the will of God. See, again, counting all things but loss. See, I'm not after the lust of my flesh. See, I'm telling you, we spend the rest of our lives going after the things that we desire, things that we want. At the very expense of doing the will of God. I'm going to tell you, and this is what I, I, I love. You know what I love about God? God will make sure that you choose who you will be with. He's going, you're going to choose. In other words, it's going to be a choice. And the enemy is going to make sure you've got to choose too. You know, sometimes you get what you want. Just to get you off the purpose of God, the enemy will, hey, the enemy will give you what you want. If that's going to pull you away from the will of God, guess what? That will be your desire will will come to fruition. And you'll put God behind it. But it took you away from God. You received the lust of your flesh. Right? But now you're not doing the will of God. See, I always understand this. The lust of your flesh is never the will of God. They're contrary one to the other. I'll say it again. The lust of your flesh is never the will of God. They are contrary one to another. So whenever you try to justify the lust of your flesh, saying, I'm in God's will, you are lying to yourself. You are trying to justify yourself. Because that's what you want. See, that's, the, that's why it's painful. That's what suffering is. But he said Christ also suffered for us. He signed up to suffer, to take the burden, take the penalty for sin for us. Who knew no sin? He suffered for it. The agony, the pain, the beatings. You know, we always talk about that during the time of Easter, right? But, you know, he got beat more than just Easter. You, know, you understand what I mean, right? It, 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 it resonates to us during Easter time. But it should resonate to us in our daily walk. That the price that he paid for us is not only important during Easter time, really. It's important all the time. See, when I start comparing the things that I've been in my mind, I think I have to give up compared to what Christ had to give up, there's no comparison. Because he's my Lord. I can suffer for the knowledge of the ecstasy of Christ Jesus. You know, I can suffer a little sleep to come and hear from God, to come to church. I, I can suffer that. I, I can suffer getting to the next promotion in my job just so I won't pull me away from church. And again, when I say church, understand, and I said this earlier, church is where you come to hear from God. Can God speak to you at home? Of course He can speak to you at home. But God has designed a method of way to get you His Word according to the direction that He wants you to go, and He set it up in an assembly. And that assembly is called the church, where Christ is the head of the church. So how are you going to hear from the head of the church and you're not in church? So I'm telling you, don't get caught up with, oh, I don't believe in organized religion. Well, do you believe in Christ being the head of the church? Then go to church, because that's where he's speaking. That's the line of authority coming down for you, for your life. <laughs> but so I have to suffer these things. I have, to come, I have to press towards that mark of the prize of the high calling of God, which is found in Christ Jesus. Again, so verse 2, it says that he no longer should live the rest of his life, or rest of his time, in the flesh to the lust of, of men, but to the will of God. 
See, my suffering has to be towards the will of God. Once my suffering is towards the will of God, guess what? I can get to a place where I can cease from sin. Because I'm after God's purpose. Look at this in 1 Peter 4. Jump down to verse number 12. It says, Beloved, think not, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you, as though some strange thing happening happened unto you. But rejoice, inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. Now, this passage, I never hear people read. Right? Rejoice in the Lord. Right? Do we, do, I, I don't even think they made a song. I'm going to rejoice because I'm partakers of Christ's suffering. They don't even put that into a song. Right? Rejoice for the steps of the righteous man are ordered by the Lord. How about we rejoice and get nothing wrong with that? But I'm saying, how come we can't rejoice? Right? Because I'm partakers of Christ's suffering. Right? That when his glory shall be revealed, you may be glad also with exceeding joy. That means, how should I respond in my attitude of suffering? I've got to rejoice. Rejoice in it. Because it's, it's for God's purpose sake. See, I'm rejoicing in this suffering for Christ. See, I know for a lot of us, again, we, we've been to a place where it's all about me. The best me, the best you, the best, you know, all this, the best, 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 right? But what about what God said? What about His will and His plan? Are you suffering for Christ's sake? And again, if it's not painful, like I said before, you have not suffered yet. There's some things you have to put away. To be prepared to be used by God in this dispensation that we are in, you're going to have to suffer. Put it away. Stop going after your lust. That means there's some things, guess what, you may not achieve. And you've got to be okay with that. <laughs> That's the painful part, right? You know, some things just, just hey, just, some things just never, it's not going to get right. You put things in emotion, it's just not going to change. Well, everything's, in, everything's possible with God. Yes, it is. But things you put in emotion, God, like you, you created that monster, it's not going to change. You have to suffer loss for that. But I should rejoice in so much as ye are partakers of Christ's suffering. Then when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. Verse 14. If ye be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye. See, there's your happy sign. Everybody want to be happy? There's happy. It didn't say joy. It said happy. And you know what? Happy is an emotion. You want to be happy? Be happy when you are being suffering for Christ's sake. Let me see that happiness. Let me see that emotion. If you be reproached for the name of Christ, we're happy are ye, for the spirit of, the, of glory of God rested upon you. I mean, that, I mean, God is so good. That's what, again, I, now you understand why if you're not suffering, how, how do you even experience the grace of God upon you? The glory rested upon you. Understanding and knowing that He is upon you. Because I've suffered. Let me read this again. If ye be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are you, for the Spirit of, the, of glory in God rested upon you. If that's not a promise, I don't know what it is. Think about those things when you're going through. When you count those things as lost. For the ecstasy of the knowledge of Christ, 
knowing that God's spirit of his glory rests upon me. God rests. Because if God rests upon me, then who can be against me? That means if he rests upon me, he'll, he'll have, have provision for me to make it. I can go through. That means, guess what I mean by make it? I can make it without whatever I had suffered loss from. Those things that I count as loss, I can go without. And God is still with me. You know, God is all the difference in my life. It's not the thing or the stuff that I was going after. It is God. See, God is trying to change your mindset about your life. What you think your life is about. About your abundance of things and stuff. In order to be used by God, you've got to be aligned with God. And your alignment with God means you've got to suffer. You've got to put down this flesh. You've got to deny yourself. If ye be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye, for the spirit of glory of the God rests upon you. On their part he is evil spoken of, but on your part he is glorified. But let, not, but let none of you suffer as a murderer, or as a thief, or as an evildoer, or as a busybody in other man's matters. So here's you telling about what not suffering is. Right? You know, I, I'm going to suffer to be a murderer. You know, I mean, my murdering, right? I'm going to murder someone's character. I'm going to talk about you when you're done wrong. You know, like we said about these young people, you know, whenever they do something that, that we don't agree with, or they may do something that's wrong, you're the first one to correct them. You love to, hey, you love to bring out your murdering weapon. Especially with these young folks. But let somebody treat you like that when you were young folk. They showed you mercy and grace when you were young. When you made your biggest sin, did they bring out the, the, the weapon then? Did they bring out the sword then? Did, did, did Peter show up and chop off your ear? Right? When you came against Christ? Some of y'all caught, caught that? You know, we all think we Peter. In that aspect, right? We're going to stand up for the things of God instead of restoring people. See, in, being, in this preparation God is using us, it is all about restoration. Again, we're not saying that what you did is, 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 what you did is wrong, right? But we're not going to condemn you in your wrongness. We're trying to restore you. We're trying to win you, my brother or my sister. We're not going to already tell you what's wrong. You already know what's wrong. Trust me, that guilt and that conviction is strong already. That's more than a now you need help to be restored. Yet if any man, verse 16, yet if any man suffer as a Christian, I'm sorry, let me go back. I forgot to say something here. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, as a thief, as an evildoer, or as busybodies in other man's matters. I just can't just skip over that busybody in other man's matters. Right? Suffering means you are a gossiper. And I heard it this morning during family life. Stop being a busybody in other man's matters. Some things has nothing to do with you. Why you got to spread the news? You know, you get that. A busy body. Right? A busy body. I mean, you're around about telling people about other people's matters. And some of the other people's matter could be your own. Now, if, you're, if your house is in shambles, nobody want to hear about that. You need help. You don't need to be spreading that news. You need to be praying. Come to family life class and get some help. Stop being a busybody about other men's matters. Stop spreading gossip. Right? We're texting about everything. 
or we blasting folks on social media about it. It's amazing to me about our attitudes we have. The responses that goes out. About other man's matters. But again, I'll say this again. Let's not put you on display like that. When your matters happen in your life, did somebody blast you? Did somebody go on social media and, and talk about you? And then how did that make you feel? See, I, you know, I don't know. I, I think some people feel like, hey, since they blasted me, I'm going to blast them. So now we're in the revenge mode now, right? We're trying to get back at somebody for what they've done to me. How can God use you with that kind of heart? He cannot. So you got to suffer. You know, some people say, you know, bite your tongue, right? Or bite your lip. Just close your mouth. You know, tie your hands up so you won't type anything. Right? We, we saw a magic show last night, and, and I think some of y'all think y'all the magician. Because they tie you up and you get loose. And you just go back to doing it. I'm going to tell them about what... They need to keep your hands tied up. Behind you, and then put the thing over your mouth like they did tell you last night. It came off. You know, I mean, not last but Friday night. But then you put tape over your mouth. Tie your hands up so you won't do anything. That suffer like so it can be painful for you. Because I know some of you just can't control yourself. Unless it's you. Then you want everybody to have restraint. See, that's busybody about other man's, other man's matters. Stay out of folks' business. I'm not how stay out of folks' business. All right? And again, let's balance with that too. There's something that somebody is doing that is detrimental to their life, then you need to tell somebody. But the drama, nobody need to hear about that drama. They don't need to know about the drama. Right? We don't need to know about the drama. Who like who, who don't like who. You like somebody this day, now you with somebody else the next day. And the person you were with the previous day, they mad because you were with somebody else the next day. It's drama. And you're blasting everybody about it. Now, I know he ain't with you now because he was with me yesterday. Now he's with you. I mean, all that drama. Well, I seen him first. No, I had him laugh. I'm drama. And you're going back and forth. See, that's busy. And the Word of God is just sitting there. Your Bible sitting right here in front of the computer. Why are you doing it? You're typing over your Bible. Blasting, folks. You're busy. You can't. That's why you can't get in the church. You got to get off of the computer. Get off your, your, your cell phone. You know, these things, I'm telling you, the small foxes spoil the vine. And I'm going to say, what does that mean? It's the small details in your life that you never pay attention to that's got you distracted. The small things, the things you consider minute, you consider minor. They're the things that got you distracted. What do I mean by distracted? Distracted from doing the will of God. You are consumed with those things. Some of y'all can't wait till church is over now, so you can go check your, your, your cell phone, check your stat. Whatever. You can't wait. You're already thinking about the lights that you're going to... I mean, your mind is already... You're consumed with that. That's a busybody. The other men's matters. That's not suffering. Okay, now 16. Yet if any man suffer as a Christian, I mean, he had to say that, right? Even Peter had to get religious. As a Christian, I'm going to show you what suffering is, right? Let him be ashamed 
but let him glorify God on this behalf. I'm sorry, let him not be ashamed. Let me read this again. Yet if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. For the time has come that judgment must begin in the house of God. And if it first begin at us, what shall the end be of them that obey not the gospel of God? And if the righteous scarcely be saved, where shall the ungodly and the sinner appear? Wherefore, let them that suffer according to the will of God commit the keeping of their souls to him in well-doing as unto a faithful creator. Now, if you don't hear the emphasis that Peter is saying here about staying out of these matters for you don't get yourself entangled into, then you need to cast out those warnings. It's enough for you as being saved to stay where you need to be at. Don't get caught up in that bondage. Don't get caught up with the ungodly and what they're doing. Don't get caught up with the sinner and what they're doing. All you need to tell the sinner is Jesus loves you and Jesus wants to save you. And get it, don't get into, well, Jesus, I'm going to tell you about my Jesus. I'm going to tell you what Jesus is. Right? He's here to, to redeem you from your sin. Well I'm, not, well, I'm not a sinner. Well, Jesus is not for you then. Because he came for the lost. If you are already saved, then you don't need Jesus. You have to, you have to get to a place where you have to recognize that you are a sinner. If you don't need, if you don't need a, a Savior, if you're not a sinner, you don't need a Savior. See, that's how you deal with the sinner. I'm not arguing back and forth with the sinner. I'm not going to get caught up with that. You need to be saved. So that means, again, verse 19, he says again, that you suffer according to the will of God, committing to keeping of their souls. You've got to commit to that. Commit to keeping my souls. My soul is not going to be caught up with drama. Again, my soul is my will, my emotions, my mind. You know, those things that, again, I amuse and I think about. I've got to keep my soul committed to the, to the will of God. Because if not, you will be caught up in this drama. Now, when I mention suffering, let me say this too. Suffering is different than sacrifice. Because they go hand in hand, but it's a difference. So when I mention, when we talk about sacrifice, sacrifice is your offering to the Lord in worship. It is what you have deliberately set aside in order to gather an offering to God in worship. I'll say that again. Sacrifice is your offering to the Lord in worship. It is what you have deliberately set aside in order to gather it as an offering to God in worship. But suffering is what you consider loss to you that is of great value or importance in order for you to bring an offering, a sacrifice to God. So that means in my suffering, it should produce an offering to God, a sacrifice to God. That's how come you got to even check your, your sacrifice. You say, oh, I, I sacrificed this to the Lord. But did you suffer for it? Did you count some things as lost in order for you to bring the best offering to God? That's the suffering. There's difference. Again, I, and sacrifice is important too. Now, you've got to sacrifice. You've got to sacrifice the lesser for the greater. 
But in your sacrifice, there should be suffering. There's things I have on purpose count as loss so I can bring forth the best sacrifice or the best offering. That's suffering. And so we don't mention suffering a lot. But you've got to suffer. You've got to count these things that I deem important and of value to me as loss. You know, if you lost something, that means what? I can't find it. Now, you know how, you know, so it means you lost it and you're going back to it. That means you didn't suffer it. If you lost it, that means you can't find it. Then why are you going back to something that's supposed to be lost? See, it's a mindset. If, you, if it's lost, let it stay lost. Count it as lost. So what is the goal of my suffering? Let's go back to Philippians chapter 3. What is the goal of my suffering? Philippians 3. Hope you get an understanding this morning. God is faithful. Philippians chapter 3, starting again in verse 7. It says, But what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, from whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dumb, that I may win Christ and be found in him. Now, the goal of my suffering is I'm going to win Christ. I'm going to be found in Him. It is all about Christ. Again, talking about the knowledge of the excellency, I'm going to see the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus. It is all about Christ. To win Christ. Now, you think about winning. Winning means that you finished. You can't say you won something and you never finished. I mean, you're in a race and you said, I won. They said, well, did you finish? And you look at you like crazy. That's how I know I won. I finished. Winning means I've finished it. In order to finish something, that means I've stayed committed, dedicated, and surrendered all to finish my course. So when I say I'm going to win Christ, that means I am fully committed to His purpose. I have dedicated my life to serve Him. I have surrendered all to Him. And I will finish my course given to me by God. Again, what does it mean to win Christ? I am fully committed to His purpose. I have dedicated my life to serve Him. I have surrendered all to Him. I will finish my course given to me by God. So now I mention another word here called surrender. Let's look at this word surrender. Because surrendering is part of suffering. When I said I surrender all, surrendering is relinquishing of control by denying myself for his will to be done in me and through me. I'll say it again. Surrendering is relinquishing of control. You got to relinquish the control by denying myself for his will to be done in me and through me. So if I have surrendered all, that means I'm not in control. I've denied myself. See, again, that's part, that's why I'm about suffering, that's how you count all things lost. I got, hey, I got to relinquish control. Get yourself out of control. I'm going to tell you, for most people that are believers, they are control freaks. You are, it's all about control for you. You have to relinquish control. 
Again, that's why I mean suffering is hard to do. I, I, you know, I, when I study, the more and more I study, the more and more the Lord showed me this. You know, suffering is interesting to me. It's a hard thing. When you get to the meat of what suffering is, it's not easy to do. You got to do this on purpose. And what I mean by doing it on purpose, you may be good at suffering something, but I'm really, that's why I, that's why I like how Paul did in, in, in Philippians 3. He said, count all things. I mean, he didn't leave, it's all. So you may have been suffering good in something, but, but all? All things you got to count as loss. All things you got to relinquish control. Deny yourself. And all things. So now you see that, oh, you know, we all got work to do. Because I got to finish this course that God has given me. I have to surrender it all to Him. Relinquish your control. Now get beside yourself. That is surrendering. So now in surrendering and in suffering, I must be able to respond properly to correction. And we've been hearing a lot about correction. Again, part of this teaching about being prepared to be used by God. We talked about correction comes through the word, by the Holy Spirit, and by those in authority. And so for me to be able to respond properly to that correction that's going to come by the word, by the Holy Spirit, and by those in authority, I must suffer and surrender all. So I'm going to tell you, if you have relinquished control, then you can receive correction. Right? In other words, when someone gives you instructions, or someone that's in authority tells you something that you need to do, and you have relinquished control, then you won't try to justify yourself. You don't have to respond by, by trying to defend yourself. So correction is part of the preparation process to be used by God. Right? Correction. And correction will expose areas in your heart you have not surrendered. Correction, get this, correction will always expose the areas in your heart that you have not surrendered, or again, or you have not relinquished control. I'm going to tell you, that's what I, the, love of, the, the Word of God, I love about the Word, it comes and it cuts. And that's why it says sharpen any two-edged sword, right? It's going to cut. And it's going to cut every area in your life, in your heart, that you have not surrendered to God. It's going to cut it. That's why it pierces ourselves. So correction will expose areas in your heart that you have not surrendered. Correction will expose things that you are not willing to suffer loss for. So correction it will expose things that you are not willing to suffer loss for. So when the Word of God comes, when those in authority comes and give you correction, they're trying to expose some things in you. Don't let someone in authority come and tell you that, hey, you need to do this in the ministry. And, and you're like, you know, I'm, not, I'm just not willing to suffer loss for that. And you know what I mean by that. Someone comes in the ministry and says, we need teachers in the ministry. You know, the ministry that God has placed you in. And authority says, you know, we need teachers to teach your children or your grandchildren or your great-grandchildren, whatever, your nephews, you know, teach whatever, whatever connection you got. The authority comes and says that. But you say, you know something, I don't have time for that. I don't have time to set aside to volunteer to teach in the Children's Ministry of Excellence. Why? Why do you have time? Because you're not willing to suffer loss. Get this about time. You have time, but it's what you choose to do with your time. You're saying, I'm not willing to suffer the time that I have for the ministry to teach those children. And I'm just using that for an example. It could be any example. I'm saying, but the, that's how the authority will, sh will show you the correction will come, will expose your heart. 
It shows you, you're not, I'm not willing to suffer for that. But here's the thing that you fail to realize. Maybe God was telling you that. Maybe in your teaching of the children, God will reveal something to you that you need to change. Maybe God has put something into you that those children need that only you can give them. See, nobody thinks God is saying this to them. They think it's some individual. They, all they look at is a vessel that says that to them. I'm not saying God is saying that to us. See, you, you know, think about this. We're at this church together for a reason. The reason is God. God has put all of us together in this ministry so every joint can supply for one another. That's why church is so important. Because what you need is found here. And where is it found here? In these group of members. The one that you love and adore. The one you love having fellowship with. They have what you need. And God has designed it that way. And as the joint comes together, we will provide for our needs. With Christ being the head. See, I'm saying God's work is awesome. What he has done. What he has designed. And we're coming against that and we want to get it out. We want to get what God has for us outside of his ordained method. It's not happening. But correction or authority will show you your heart, what you're not willing to suffer for. So how do I know when I'm not surrendered? When I'm not in a place of surrendering? I'm not in a place of relinquishing control. How do I know that? When someone in authority corrects you, and you get offended. That's the telltale sign that you have not surrendered at all. Again, when someone in authority corrects you and you get offended. And you know, offense is different than getting mad. You understand that, right? I mean, you can get mad about a lot of things. Right? But offended? Oh, offended deals with the heart. So let me say this. A mad is like an emotion, Right? You know, you get mad, you know, like I say, it's like this husband and wife, right? They, they get mad at each other. You know, you get over it. You know, when the urges are calling, you get over it. You're not mad no more. <laughs> Some of y'all got that right. You can reconcile now. But let a husband and wife be offended. We're not, get, we're not reconciling that. That's a heart issue now. It's more of an emotion. You have cut me to my heart. And so you can tell there's things you're not able to relinquish control over the, when someone corrects you, that means you are offended. And I'm going to tell you, usually your, your offense is usually dealing with the individual that said those corrections to you, but it's not about them. They're just on assignment. And here's the thing that gets me, right, especially in ministry. You have people in ministry that may not look like you, may not be your same age, may be younger or older than you, right, but they are the ones in authority. Right? And if they correct you, guess what? Their correction is coming from God. So guess what? I cannot get my eyes on a person. I got to see my eyes on God. That's why I cannot be a respected person. You know, I'll go back to the Friday night, and, and, the, and the, like I said, the next year, the young adults were one driving that. You know, I, I just came there to ready to serve. And we had a young lady that she was the one that was, you know, in charge of a person. I said, hey, what do you want me to do? And she said, I need you to go, you know, hey, she can say, I need you to go clean the toilet. I'm like, yes, ma'am. What, what, it didn't matter. Whatever you need me to do, I'm here to help. It's not about, hey, I'm older than you. I'm going to take charge. No. And that's the mentality we have. Or how tell you tell me that? How dare you tell me to do something? I know you ain't talking to me. I can be your daddy. 
or your great-granddaddy, right? Whatever. I know you, that's how we acted towards one another. But they're in authority. We should better receive from authority outside of the vessel that is giving you that instruction. If not, you have not relinquished control. You are, have not surrendered all. You're not willing to suffer. See, i got to be partakers of, of his suffering. And surrendering is part of me suffering. Or even if someone's my peer. You know, a peer, like we, we think we're on the same level, but that person is in authority now. Oh, no, this is a good one, right? You know, because that's all... Because in our mind, we wonder how they got in that position anyway. Right? And we think we can do the position better than they can. Oh, come on, y'all, y'all playing now. Do we need some examples? Right, we think we can do a better job than they can. Let me just go to your job. Let me go to your workplace. We don't even say church, because, you know, we'll save the innocent here at church. We'll go to your job. You know, everybody, when everybody's boss and their job is wrong. Right? So we just go with the job. Right? So one of your peers, you was co-workers, now all of a sudden that co-worker is now your boss, your supervisor. And you wonder how they must have brown those or whatever. You know how we talk. How they got the position and you didn't. Right? And then now they're in that position. They've got to tell you what to do. And it just bothers you and bothers you because you have not surrendered at all. You can't receive anything from them. And all they're doing is under instructions from their bosses. But you're mad at them. Right? You know, it's easy to talk about that. Yeah, that's right. That's right, brother. That's right. That's wrong. Right? They're discriminating them. You know, it's all discrimination, racism, all, whatever terms you want to put out there. Because they know it can't be you. It's not nothing wrong with you. It's not why they, you know, it's not reason why they promoted somebody other than you, because they had to be discriminated. Because you're the best worker there. But you're mad. You get offended. You have not surrendered at all. And we bring those attitudes in the church. So whatever auxiliary I am in in the ministry, whoever is authority in that at that time in that moment, I'm, I'm obeying what they say. And I make sure the first thing, we've been taught this in the ministry, the first thing you find is authority. I go find who is in. That's why when we did it on Friday night, I said, I know the one who's in authority. I, I go right to that person. And I talk to them. Okay, what do you want me to do? I don't need to hear the, the background noise. I need to find the one in authority. I went right to her. What do you want me to do? And we only talk about a gender because you know how we are. Hey, in my mind, ain't a woman going to tell me nothing. But your mom been telling you stuff even now, your grown tale. But you want to listen to a woman? Why we got issues with women? We stepping that some more too, right? I, that to me is an amazing thing. If nothing else God is exposing in this day and age for, for us at Church of Living Water, it's about a woman. I'm going to tell you, you will miss God in this ministry if you can't receive from a woman. I said, you will miss God in this ministry if you cannot receive instruction from a woman. So you better get over that now. Or you're going to miss God. And you'll stand before God and God like, you know some all that stuff. I, and you're like, God, I want to do this. And God like, I, I gave it to you. He said, what, where? To the person I put in charge. The person that was on assignment. And you missed it. Because she was a man with a womb? Really? I'm, gonna tell you, I'm not going to miss God for no gender. I'm not. You get caught up with that. I'm I'm not caught up with that. You know, I can move on. 
Because I know I, I know how good God is. I understand how God speaks, and He's going to speak to His authority. And, it, and here's the thing I said to the people: you know, if you can't receive things in this ministry by the authorities established here, go somewhere else. Tie yourself into because that's God is speaking through authority. You wonder why I'm getting into these comments. But God is speaking through authority. Always. He does that when you're on home. Why do why you think you got a mother and a father? Why were you just born all of a sudden you got a, 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 you know, just a group of people that's going to raise you? No, God's designated. Even in, in a family structure, you have a father and you have a mother and they're going to instruct a child. That is God's order. You just ain't born and all of a sudden you got 20 people there that's going to start raising you. You know, think about God. God could have had any. He could have set up any kind of way He wanted to when it comes about raising children. But He gave you a father and a mother, and they're going to teach you in your home. They are the authority in your house. And then He tells you as a child, obey them. The first commandment we promise, so that your life will you live long here and there. The first commandment we promise is obeying authority. And here we are in a ministry where God has placed us at, and we can't obey the authority here. I'm not missing God for that. I'm not. So we can't get caught up in agenda when it comes to correction. We got to always look for those in authority and then receive from God. So correction is necessary to keep you in line with God's purpose, to keep you in right standing with God. Correction is necessary to keep you. I like keep you. You need correction. What they're chasing the Lord brings for the peaceful fruit of righteousness in you. You need correction. And I'm the good child. You good child need a good correction. And some of you good children need a good beating, but we don't get into that. <laughs> you need correction. That's been most of your problem. You need correction. And when, the, when someone in leadership comes and corrects you, I'll say this. Don't ignore them. To me, that's the worst thing. If someone gives you instruction and you ignore it. You may say yes, sir, and yes, ma'am, but you ignore you know how you ignore it? You don't do it. It's like they did say nothing. And then you make excuses why you won't do it. I ain't doing that. You don't say that out loud, but you say it by your actions. Someone in leadership authority gives you correction, you do it. Guess what? That is not an option. That wasn't a suggestion. That was called correction, a commandment for you to go do. Don't ignore it. That means you have not surrendered all. That means you have not counted all loss. You know, correction is so important. And being prepared to be used by God, correction is so important. We're in Philippians 3. Let's just keep going here. Let me, let me go on. Because I, I, we can talk about it. Hey, we'll just turn this into AMC real quick. Because we have attitudes that we shouldn't have towards those in authority. For whatever reason. And God is still dealing with our heart about these things. Because guess what? We have to move on. You know, sometimes we just got to get past some things. You know, you just some obstacles. I'm like, can we just get past that obstacle? Can we just... You know, I want something I just want to get past. You know, I'm, I'm curious what's behind that obstacle. You know, is, can I ever see what's behind that one? Can we get past that? We just stuck certain places. Let's, let's move on. And that's what God is doing in this ministry. He is moving us forward. 
for those that wants to go, that has a willing heart, that's willing to surrender all. Alright, so Philippians chapter 3 again. Let me start in verse 9. It says, And be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know him in the power of his resurrection, in the fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable unto his death. If by, if by any means I might obtain unto the resurrection of the dead, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend, that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. One thing that jumps out to me, I want to mention this when it's talking about suffering, right, is you cannot act like that you have already attained, that you've already achieved, you already arrived. You know, verse 12 says, not as though I have already attained. Again, going back to this comment about you have an issue with correction. Some of our issues we have correction, we feel like we know it all. No one has, knows it all. No one has attained it all. We are all a work in progress. Being conformed to the image of his son, Jesus the Christ. We all are. From the pulpit down, even past these walls, even outside, we all are a work in progress. That means we all have flaws. We all have faults. We all have areas that we struggle in that we need to improve. Get to that. You have faults. You have flaws. Understand that. You have areas in your life that you still struggle with since you've been saved for umpteen number of years. You still struggle with some of the same issues you struggled when you got saved. We all do. So that's the attitude we need to have. That's what we've got to count on our loss. We've got to stop acting like we above these things. We're not. And Paul, and Paul makes it very clear. Right? I have not, not as though I've already attained. I mean, you can learn something. But you've got to put yourself in a position to learn. So how do I maintain in this fellowship of his sufferings? How do I maintain? And we'll keep reading. The first thing is, is verse number 13. It says, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. How do I maintain in, the, in being in this suffering, this particular suffering? I must first stay humble. Again, that's what he means by count not myself to have apprehended. Laying hold of something. I have to stay humble. In this time of suffering, this time of being prepared, please stay humble. And in me staying humble, I have to stay in position to receive the instruction. Not counting myself as arrived, not knowing it all. In, in, this, in receiving instruction, I must receive it in humility. Stay humble. And, and humble is, it is more than just your response. It is, is it really humble? It, all this is your heart issue. Stay in humility. When someone says something to you, don't act like you know it already. Don't try to finish the, the question or finish the answer. You know, just listen. Part of staying humble is listen. Why are we, why are we trying to talk to somebody when they're talking to you? I don't even understand that. When somebody's saying something to you, why do we got to say something before they finish? Let them finish. That's staying humble. 
Even if they're repeating themselves, like I'm repeating myself now, let me finish repeating myself. Well, brother, you already said that 20 times. Well, that's what I'll say it for 21st time then. Let me repeat myself. But we got to let them know. You just you said that to me already. Stay humble. Stay in position. And they'll say, well, if you would have achieved it or applied, I wanted to keep saying it. Stay humble. Stay in position. Next thing it says, he says, uh, for this one thing I do. Now, I love it. He said, I do this. Forgetting those things which are behind. Forgetting those things which are behind deals with forgetting the past. You have to forget the past. These are things that have been taught here, right? And forgetting the past, that means you have to forgive. If I'm to forget the past, that means I've got to forgive. Forgiveness will set you free from your past. I mean, these things are simple. These things have been taught so many times here in this ministry, but it's so hard for us to live it. This is how you maintain. I'm staying humble, I'm staying in position, and I am forgetting the past. I'm forgiving. And when I forgive, I mean I've let it go, I've leave it alone, and I do not return to it. Don't say you forgive somebody, but you keep bringing it up. You have not let it go. You have not left it alone. If you have done some things, and, and here's the thing about forgiveness. You, forgiving people of their debts. And I love how the Bible's talking. We, we read these things before when Pastor went over this before and, and talking about in, in forgiveness and forgiveness of debts in, in, the, in, the, in the prayer. And, and I think about these things about forgive those debtors, right? A debtor is somebody who owes you something. Get that. And part of forgiveness means nobody owes you nothing. You've got to get to a place where they don't owe me anymore. And I'll tell you, that's hard. That means they don't owe you no explanation. They don't owe you no clarification. They don't owe you no, no justification. They don't owe you no restitution. They owe you nothing. That's how you forgive your debtors. Stop expecting for them to come and explain something to you. Or give you an explanation. Or, or come and give you restitution. Oh, you still owe me $5. Let it go. You're not going to get your $5 back. You, know, you made it okay without getting your 5 bucks back. You are okay. God is still taking care of you even though you ain't got your money back. But you're still holding on to that. You have yet to forgive that person. So when, next time you see them, say, oh, you, they still owe me money. Why are you bringing it up? They need to be restored, but you're talking about money. God wants to deliver them from their bondage of sin, and you're talking about them about $5 they owe you. See how, okay, see how silly that is? God's talking about their redemption of their eternal soul. You're talking about $5. Well, it was $500. Okay, well, $500. What is $5 million when it deals with their eternal soul for the rest of their life? It doesn't matter how much they owe you. That's forgiveness. Let it go. They don't owe you nothing. The Bible says you owe no man but to love them. That's how you're going to maintain in this fellowship of of suffering, being partakers of suffering. You've got to let it go. Because Christ let it go. What, do we, what, what can we pay Him? At any time, He could have said, they ain't worth it. I'm done with them. Again, like I said, we bring up these things during the, the ramifications of things during the Easter time where you think about how He got bitten, how He was smitten. They said He was unrecognizable. That's how much they hit Him, beat Him. Can you imagine someone being beaten him enough where He was unrecognizable? You're like, I'm done. But no, he still, he endured. For our sake, not for his. Christ suffered for us. 
So that little money or a little explanation you need or whatever, I'm saying little. Little means compared to what Christ has done, there is no comparison. Well, you know, my, my, my uncle, he, he molested me. And compared to what Christ has done, there is no comparison. Forgive him. Forgive your uncle or whoever family member it is. You got to let it go. If not, you cannot move forward. So I got to stay humble. I got to stay in position. I got to forget the past. And like he said, you got, I got to do this. You see what he says there, right? He said, this one thing I do. You're going to have to do it. God is not doing this for you. You're going to have to do it. You will have to forget the past. And then he says, reaching forth unto those things which are before. And I like how he says reaching. That means I got to stay moving forward. I got to stay going ahead. I cannot look back. This is how I maintain in being partakers of his suffering. I'm going to stay humble. I'm going to stay in position. I'm forgetting the past. I have to forgive. And I'm going to stay moving forward. Don't get stagnant. Stop looking back. When you start looking, fat, looking back, that means you're not focused on what's in front of you. That's how most accidents happen, right? You're looking back and then you hit somebody in front of you. Stop looking back. Stay going forward. And he says you're reaching forward, right? And we got an example in the Bible, a woman that looked back. She became a pillar of salt. Lots of wife, right? Because she, she hated to leave the lifestyle she had in Sodom and Gomorrah. She was looking back. She said, let it go. When you look back, you cannot go forward. So I got to stay moving forward. I got to go ahead. That's the reaching forth unto those things which are before. I got to head. So again, I'm going to win Christ. That's my goal. I got to finish. In order to finish the race, you got you to continue to stay in the, in the, in the race, right? You got to stay on the track, stay on the field. And then I have to press towards the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. What is this speaking to? I got to apply effort on purpose to achieve the prize. And the prize is Christ Jesus. That's why I've counted all loss. I got to apply effort on purpose. When you press towards the mark, that means you are applying effort. Don't tell me you, you pressing and you're not putting forth effort. It require, pressing requires effort. Effort on your part. That means you gotta do, you gotta head for it, you gotta do something. That's part of your suffering. That's part of you counting, I gotta put forth the effort. There's too many lazy Christians out here. I'm saying out here, right? There's too many of them. They want everything from God but want to put no effort. God, where's the effort? Like, like we said about coming to Family Life Care, that's effort. Getting up being here at, at 8.45 on Sunday morning, it's effort. Well, you know, I got four children and I got a wife. and I, But, you know, you, it took you effort to get four children, didn't it? You some of that same effort to get your tail at, at church. You know, I'm, I'm amazed how people define effort. Effort is still effort. Effort is exerting energy. So exert some energy and come to church. Like you exerted energy and got those four children and that wife. That's how I press. I apply effort on purpose to achieve 
<clears throat> the prize which is found in Christ Jesus. And then lastly, jump down to verse 17. It says, Brethren, be followers together of me, and mark them which so as ye have us, for an example. The way I'm going to maintain, again, I'm staying humble, I'm forgetting those things that are past, I'm staying focused and applying effort. I must be a follower of my teacher. You've got to follow your teacher. Again, it says, brethren, verse 17, brethren, be followers together of me. I like that Paul didn't say, you know, in this, this passage, he said, be ye, I mean, let me read it. Brethren, be followers together of me. He didn't say follow together of Christ. Paul calls his own name out and said, follow me. For I am the example you should be following. An example is interesting. You know, someone's worthy to, to, to follow, right? But that means I've joined myself to that example. An example, right? I've joined myself to the example. That means the example is somebody that has the standard of God that I can see, that's demonstrated before my eyes. You have to follow that to be able to maintain. Our founding pastors say that all the time. Follow your teacher. That's how you're going to maintain. That's how you keep it safe. So if I'm partaking his sufferings, I've got to follow my teacher. I've got to join myself to that example. And once I continue, then I'll be prepared to be used by God. And again, these are things that go along with what Pastor Hill's been ministering about over these many, many Sundays by preparing us, getting our heart ready, preparation of choice, you know, all these things, right? How to minister to one, how to minister to the lost, you know, all these things we've learned already. These are just small little nuggets that go into things we've already been taught. Because here's the thing, I want us all to finish. My, my heart desire, my prayers for this ministry, that we finish. We finish the course that God has called us. That's right, finish strong. That we rejoice in the Lord. We're going to rejoice in Christ's part, uh, uh, being partakers of his suffering. We're going to rejoice in that because we know that God and the spirit of the glory of God rests upon us. Stand to your feet. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.net.